following message is by Pastor Steve Lee of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. Well, if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 and following, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you have heard some form of message uh, on this passage uh, before, probably many times over, and uh, we'll probably hear many more if we have uh, plenty of time uh, to be on this earth. Uh, but I wanted to do this because it's something that I came across earlier this year and uh, has really helped me uh, focus more when I pray, uh, made something that I have a tendency to make complex a little bit more simple, but actually a lot more relational. But we'll see that as we go along. I'm going to read the passage. I'll try to read it slowly. And uh, then we'll just go through uh, three points. Then Jesus went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here. And watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I wanted to talk today about three simple reminders about when we pray. And really they are simple. I don't think there's anything that is profound here that will make you walk away and go, wow, that's just crazy. I've never heard that before. And with that in mind, I just quite simply want to start. The first thing that I would remind us when we pray is, and it's going to be three keeps, it's the first one is keep it simple. So if you look at the prayer of Jesus, one of the simple prayers that he prays here in the beginning is, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And I think we understand the context. The context here, Jesus is praying. Um, he's about to be turned over and face his trial and ultimately be crucified uh, in under like 15 to 18 hours uh, in, in that time range. And uh, in, in the midst of all of this, what does Jesus do when he prays with his father is he keeps it simple. It's a simple prayer. L listen, father, uh, this is, and I'm going to expand on this, which shows you how simple his prayer was. But, but, but father, I know you hear me, but wow, this is going to be really difficult. The, the thought of separation from you is, is hard for me to accept. The thought of physical separation from this body, all of these things is very difficult. But quite simply, you know, if this cup can pass, you know, cool, let's have that. But not what I want, but what you want. It's, it's a really simple prayer. And I think when we pray, we make it a little bit too complex. 
I don't know if you're like me, but if you're ever in a prayer meeting, you, do you ever get the temptation to kind of like sound good? Am I the only person? That, can I get a little help here maybe? Um, anybody else kind of like me where you want to sound good? Like our Heavenly Father, the ultimately gracious and merciful God who looks upon his sheep, his people, whom he loves so deeply. You know, that's kind of the way uh, I like to pray so that everybody kind of goes, right, yeah. But it's not simple. It's really complex. And it's not really prayer because it's not really for God. It's kind of more for me letting people know, hey, I'm a pastor and I know how to pray. Fair enough, right? And, but, but Jesus, in the midst of his agony, keeps it very simple. Now, how many of us have kids who are old enough to drive cars? Okay, a few of us, right? Uh, the, the scary thing is you, you don't have your children come up to you one day and say, Oh, magnificent father, keeper of the keys, insurer of the car. You know my heart. You know my friends. You know it's Friday night. Oh, blessed Friday night after a long, hard week of school. I beseech thee, may you grant me the mercy of the car keys. Right? Our kids don't do that, right? They come up to us, hey man, give me the keys to the car. Right? That's kind of what it is. Pretty simple. And I think that's the way that we really need to approach prayer with a, a simplicity, which basically says, God, this is what is on my heart, and I would like to talk to you about it. What is on the heart of Jesus at this moment? He knows what's about to happen. He knows how difficult it's going to be. And even in knowing this, he's not going into this long-winded theology, a biblical theology from the Garden of Eden to ultimately the future in the book of Revelation. He's just basically saying, God, this is difficult. And if there's another way, man, that would be great, but I know there's not, but it's not what I want, it's what you want, and that's what I'll submit to. That's the simplicity of prayer. So that when God wants us to come and speak to him, he wants us to speak in a way that is very simple, because simple, in a sense, can be very relational. Now, I know there are some people who are incredibly intelligent, and the way they pray may be a lot more intelligent than the way I pray. That's neither right or wrong. It's just simply different. But I think that the call that God has on the rest of us who are just the average Joe trying to live life, God wants us to come with a sense of simplicity, seeking relationship with God. Because if you're like me, one of the things that I really misread about prayer is, God, how do I tell you what you need to do? Have you ever been in that situation? You're looking at the situation and you're thinking to yourself, God, I can see pretty clearly this is what needs to happen. And if you could just do that, we could get on and move on to the next thing. And I'm wondering if God, when he, when he hears me pray like that, is thinking, boy, you are so messed up, man. You have no idea, no clue as to not only what I want to do in you, but also what I want to do through you. And so the simplicity of the prayer of Jesus is not just simple words, but it's the words that say, Father, it's your will, not mine. You don't have to sit there and try to convince God. Because, again, if you're like me, I've spent time praying, trying to convince God, God, this really is the right way to do it. And if you could just see it this way, I think you'd finally understand that we can actually take care of this the right way. 
So I think we need that reminder that when we pray, we pray a simple prayer, not because we're simple people, but because we're in a relationship with our Father, and it doesn't have to be about trying to convince Him because He knows best anyway. I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense why I think I could actually be telling God what's the best way to do it. But in a simple way, keeping our prayer simple to actually approach God relationally. So the first thing I want us to catch and remind us of is, when you pray, just keep it simple. The second thing I think we need to do is to keep it real. I read here when it says, again, for the second time, Jesus went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Keep it real. Jesus is keeping it real. So not just the first time does Jesus say, oh, this is going to be really hard. This is going to be very difficult. This pains me. I'm sorrowful. I'm grieving. I'm, I'm experiencing so much grief. And, and he says a second time, God, I'm still grieving. This sorrow is growing in my heart. This is very difficult what you're asking me. To me, it is a real prayer. It's a raw prayer. It's full of emotion. You know, I have never... I uh, had the opportunity to be crucified, and I hope that I never am. But I can't even imagine what Jesus is really, truly feeling. Not only the pain to come physically, but I think the great separation from God as he becomes the sin bearer of the world. It's a real prayer. It's, it's, it's a raw prayer. And uh, this morning when I, I preached at Harvest, uh, one of the things that I talked about was the, admin, the ministry of admonishment. Has anyone here ever heard a sermon on admonishment? Like, ever? Anybody? Nobody? Me neither. I have never heard anyone preach on admonishment. The crazy thing is, I think some people uh, believe it's a gift. You know, I'm going to admonish you. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you. I hope you get that. Uh, it is not a gift. I just want you to let you know. It's a ministry. But I was explaining to people today, um, I love ministry when it is real and when it's raw. And here's what I mean. I have a tendency to text people and I go, you know, how you doing? How goes it with you? And I'll mix up, I'll put the King's English and all these things in there so it's not repetitive and it's boring. And one thing that drives me crazy is when people respond with, I'm okay. It's fine. It's good. I sit there and I think to myself, and this is sin so that you don't like misunderstand this. I'm a pastor taking my time to see how you're doing, and all you give me is, it's okay, or it's fine. I'm insulted. I want a novel, man. Tell me a story of how your life is falling apart so that I can be your savior as a pastor and come in and fix you. See where I'm going with this? Right? That's kind of wrong on my part. But that's what I really enjoy when people are real. Because when people are real and you're dealing with the raw, you're actually dealing with a person who says, I need grace, I need mercy, I need help. I need Jesus. That to me is the kind of ministry I appreciate because now I can actually talk with a person as a person rather than having to wonder what's going on. Have you ever had that experience where like you're in the situation, you think you know, you're talking to the person, everything's fine in some ways and it's a good conversation, and then you leave the conversation and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, did you talk to so-and-so? And they go, yeah, I talked to them. <coughs> And they go, well, so what would you talk about? And then I tell them something, you know, this we talked about. And they go, dude, that's not what's going on at all. Let me tell you the real story. 
And that frustrates me because when I sit there and I think, I, I, I want people to be real with me. I don't want people to be fake. I don't want them to be thinking, hey, I'm here to judge you or, or I'm here to knock you down. But in a real way, please tell me what's going on in your life. Now, I know that's not prayer, but it's the conversation between two people that's real. And so I think that when God calls us to pray, he calls us to be real. Jesus isn't saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm about to get crucified. This is so fun, let's do it again. And I'm not saying that to mock Jesus or to mock scripture in any way, but it's to give us kind of like a, I'll say hyperbole, and I only say hyperbole because I really want to know if the kid's paying attention because it's really hyperbole, so please don't judge me. But I go, hey, it's a little hyperbole, and uh, okay, yeah, no, I, this is real, man. Jesus is being real as he prays. He's pouring out his heart to the Father, and he's saying, God, this is not going to be fun if there's some other way to do this, can we please do that? Because the grief and the sorrow is so heavy. And so the call that God has on our lives is that when we pray, we pray in a real and raw manner. One of my heroes in this is Jeremiah. If you read Jeremiah, there's a point where Jeremiah says, God, you tricked me. You know, if I'm Jeremiah, I'm like, God, you tricked me. What's up with that? I don't understand how you tell me that I'm going to do this ministry and how I'm supposed to, to, to build and see all this building. And yeah, a little uprooting, but we're going to see all this building. And what do I get out of this? What do I get out of this ministry? Well, let's see. You're going to get thrown in the stocks. You're going to get thrown in prison. You're going to get beaten. People are going to hate you. People are going to disagree with you. Jeremiah being real in the midst of his prayer says, God, you have tricked me. God's response was to kill Jeremiah on the spot. Shocking, right? Now, those of you that read your Bible are saying, that that did happen. Because it didn't. Because what I see in that example is Jeremiah prayed what was real, what was on his heart. He kept it real. He didn't lie to God. You can't lie to God anyway. But in the realness of his prayer, God responds with mercy and grace. You see, when we pray and we pray what's really happening, you know what happens? I think, at least for me, God speaks more. I have anger issues. I'm going to be real here a little bit. I have anger issues. No, I'm not, you know, like yelling and screaming at people. I don't have road rage chasing people down and stuff like that. I have what I call internal anger issues. Internal anger issues occur because as a pastor, I don't want to embarrass the church. I don't want to embarrass God. I don't want to embarrass my family. I don't want to embarrass anybody. So I keep it inside me. But trust me, they're there and they're very powerful. And many times when I speak to God, I speak to God in a real way. And I say, God, this is how I really feel. I'm really angry at what this person said. I'm really angry at what this person has done. And then as I, and I can spend like 30 to 40 minutes. And I remember years ago spending 45 minutes in a shower and it was in a hotel so it wasn't my water so it didn't hurt the water bill which is probably why I stayed in there longer and yelling at God and, and telling them the way it is and, and screaming and hollering and, and somewhere near the end of that I just hear like this and again it, it could be a, a through the filter of my own voice of God just saying are you kidding me are you kidding me and I heard that voice again when I explained my anger to a fellow pastor. And he said, yes, Brother Frank, I understand. You're the only one in all of history who's ever been betrayed like you. Bam! It's like the Holy Spirit smacks me. And he doesn't do this necessarily. Upside the head and says, bro, think of Jesus. And what he went through 
when he was betrayed. How did I get to that place? I was humiliated, personally, as I, I realized that. I said, wow, God, I've been complaining for 45 minutes about how bad I have it and not reflecting it all on my Savior. How do I get to that place? Because I'm being real with God. God lets me be real, but then he says, bro. Actually, he doesn't say that. That's just the filter that I have. He says, stop. Think. You're not the first. You won't be the last. Now, God isn't saying, get over it. Quit crying, you big baby, and stuff like that. But it's that in the realness of that prayer, God is actually able to speak for me, to me, about what God is wanting to do. I say when we pray, keep it simple. You don't have to explain theological concepts to God. He gets those. Just like you speak to a father, keep it simple. But then also keep it real. Keep it real. What really is going on in your heart? Because it's that those moments that God can actually speak to us and say, here I am. I understand. Here's what we actually do next. Now the unfortunate thing about keeping it real when we do is sometimes what we hear as real is not what we want to actually hear from God. But it's in that place, when we can come to that place of, of where Jesus was, of ultimate surrender, keeping it real, I think is the better way to go when we pray. I don't know about you, how many of you people in a prayer meeting struggle with those people who are going through an experience and they're like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, God is good. Does anyone ever want to get up and strangle those people? Okay, so I'm the only one who has anger issues here. Because <laughs> sometimes I want to say, dude, what world are you living in? How do you, how do you pull that? Out? You're faking it. And then, you know what? I'm being real. I'm praying. It's being God. And God says, bro, <laughs> again, my filter. He says, listen, man, there are people who are actually like that. They love me. That hurts. Keep it real. Let God speak. Because you know what? Some people really do rejoice in the midst of suffering. And, and, and in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, I don't want to say in a strange way, but in a very real way, Jesus what? For the joy set before him endured the cross. Was this not a difficult time in the life of Jesus? Yes. But in a way he endured because of the joy set before him. Keep it simple. Keep it real. And the third thing is keep it up. Look at what it says here. It says, So, leaving them again, Jesus went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Wow, Jesus, let me get this straight here. You are on the verge of a very painful death, taking the weight of the sin of the world upon your shoulders, and yet keep it simple? You keep saying the same prayer over and over and over again? Which sounds a little bit like, you know, when Jesus said, don't repeat your prayer, that's not what he means. But from the heart... He's keeping it simple, speaking to his father. He's keeping it real, and he's keeping it up because he knows he must continue to keep depending on God in the midst of all this. I don't know about many of you, but I struggle with endurance in prayer. It's really easy, like in the midst of a crisis, to be there, to pray, to pray, to pray, and then to get up and move on and do the next thing. I, I can say that I regularly experience that in a daily quiet time. It's so easy to race through your reading, do your praying, and say, I've done it. Harvest is in the middle of a campaign right now to read through the whole New Testament. Uh, it used to be through the whole Bible, but then again, the New Testament. I'm hoping one day it will just be the book of James, but no, I'm just kidding. But as we're reading through this, uh, I came across this quote, I think, and, I, and it's not, this is a paraphrase because I don't have it with me, but it was from like A.W. A. Tozer 
who's a wonderful Christian man, wrote a lot of stuff, and he's saying, what a sin it is to read the Bible in a hurry. And it struck me uh, in the heart, like, are you serious, man? I'm in the middle of a New Testament reading program, and I got to get through this. And I read my chapter really quick, and then I go do something else. And when that struck me, I was like, oh, God, what am I doing? I'm not really reading your word. I'm reading your word, but I'm not really reading your word and letting it take me. So my other two accountability partners, we said, you know, forget it. We're not going to get through the year. We're going to actually slow down. You see, the the thing about that is that's when you, you keep up, when you are focusing, centered upon God and his word, and you actually slow down. And you keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's that keeping it up, that really, that perseverance, that sense of, of continuing on that gives us the connection with God as well as not only him but the circumstances that we are living in. Like Luke 18, if you think about Luke 18, when Jesus gives that parable, he says, listen, I'm going to tell you this parable because I want you to keep praying, keep it up. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to persevere because if you're like me, you want answers from God right away. Think about the culture that we live in, how instant it is. Instant rice, right? Do we still eat that stuff? Anybody? Okay, I'm the only one who eats that too. Man, I'm in bad shape. I'm a mess. How about internet? Does anyone have internet issues? How about that one, right? You get online and you're like, dude, man, this is taking one second. This is really annoying. Or if you're on Zoom and you see that little flipping out and you see somebody's picture when it stops and yet they keep talking and stuff like that. And, 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 and it drives us crazy because we expect everything, immediate answers. Do you have children? Right? Do you have your kids come up to you and they go, hey, mom and dad, can I get this? And you go, no, wait. And your kid goes, okay, that's cool. And they come back maybe two or three weeks later, right? How many of you have kids like that? Really? I want to adopt them. <laughs> Not my kids, man. What do you mean we can't go? Well, how about this? Well, can we get this? I mean, some of my kids, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Like, Don't, please. Okay, you can't go. The answer is no, because that's the easiest way to do it, right? The maybe doesn't work. They keep it up. They persist because they desire something. They long for something, even if it's not good for them. But the, the, the underlying principle is they keep it up because there's this attitude of perseverance. I want something. And I think that's what lacks in our prayer lives because they're really, they're really what we want want shifts and moves because it's based on what we want and not what God wants. And when we get what God wants and it captures our hearts, keeping it up is a lot easier. You see, Jesus keeps praying because he knows that he needs God. He's depending on God. He's abiding in his Father, abiding in his love because the task that he has before him is an almost insurmountable task except for him. But yet he's still doing this with God. And the thing that we do with God, building his kingdom, proclaiming his kingdom, is something that we do with him and we have to persevere. Not do this one day and switch over to that and do to this, but to keep persevering. Because the simple reminder of prayer is God does not always answer instantaneously, though he does sometimes, is that God does in time work in our character and our circumstances doing things that we don't understand. Uh, this week I went to the emergency room for an issue uh, that I won't share with you, but I, I remember... I got there at 3.30, 
And uh, it was about, about 9.30 at night that I was about to get released. The doctor had seen me at like 8.45, and I'm sitting in this room, uh, waiting and waiting and waiting. And I said, okay, God, if you really love me, thy nurse, my nurse, the one taking care of me, will come by and say something. Man, almost instantaneously, like about 10 seconds later, the nurse walks into the room. And I'm like, this is so cool. I'm going home. So we talk a little bit, and she goes, yeah, well, I'll talk to the doctor, see if you can get released. Okay, that's cool. Appreciate that. Well, like about 20 to 30 minutes later, she still hasn't come back. So I said, God, if you really love me, the nurse will come back with the release papers like in about a minute. You know what happened? Under a minute, she came back. I'm like, wow, God, this is really cool. But you know what? I want something bigger. I want something grander. I want to be able to pray like that and see youth group kids come to Christ. Yeah, it's really nice that the nurse comes in and says, you can go home. That's great. I like that. But that's not the kind of prayer that I want answered. But that just doesn't happen. If you know anything about people, not just youth group kids, but people, it takes a journey. For nine months, I've been in an evangelistic Bible study with my brother and a schoolhood friend. You know how many times I've had to share with them what repentance and belief is? Every week. I ask them, what is repentance? I have no idea. I said, change thinking to change behavior. It's not really hard. Next week, same thing over and over again. Because when God is working in people's hearts, for us, what seems like a slow process is a slow process. But in God's eyes, him doing that work requires perseverance. So I don't sit there and say, you know what? After three months, there's no fruit in this. Forget it. I ain't wasting my Wednesday nights with you guys. It's you have to keep persevering. And so what Jesus teaches us in this, and even though it is an event, but a principle to be followed, is that when we pray, we need to keep it up. Because that is the call to perseverance, not just to get the answer, but to grow in our knowledge of God and his grace. So the three reminders that I hope that you leave here with today is keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. So I have a a let's practice here at, at the end. And I want to give you a little bit of an example. So uh, whenever I go somewhere, I always feel like, you know, it's really nice to preach. But I really wonder, do people leave touched? Do they really feel changed? And so this is what I prayed yesterday. I I said very simply, God, I'm speaking to Harvest, and I'm going to Emmanuel. And uh, can you just do something? Can you bear fruit to this message? Keeping it simple. And then keeping it real. Because you know what, God? Sometimes even though I enjoy the preaching and people laugh at the dumb jokes that I tell, it doesn't really mean that I'm actually changing a life. So can you please just do something and change somebody's life through this message? And that's what I've been praying. That's the practice. It's simple. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be, oh God, the spiritual warfare that is fought in the midst of a preaching message. Bring down fire. Bring the angels to protect the people. Be all glorious. No, it's not that. It's just a simple prayer. I want God to move in your life through speaking through me, not because I'm a great guy, but because God is a great God who wants to bring people to himself so that they experience and enjoy him through the message that God has for them, not the message that I have for them. That's the simplicity of prayer. It's the reality of prayer. And in your lives, I pray that you can actually keep up a continual life of prayer because you love God and you love the people that you want to reach for God. Let's pray.
Father, it's kind of weird right now for me because at harvest, people are always moving around and there's so much noise and it's so quiet here. I want to say thank you just because you're a God who loves us so much. And when we run around, we miss out on so much of who you are, what you want to do in us and through us. And when we sit in silence before you, hungry, to not only hear your voice, but to obey your voice, we are the church. As you intended it to be. Father, we are broken people. Struggling through our sin. Day in and day out. Even in the quirks of our personality or habits that we've learned growing up. I just want to pray this simple prayer. That we would pray simply. That we would be real as we pray. And that we wouldn't stop praying for ourselves, for our families, for our friends, co-workers, classmates, whoever. And I pray in all of this that your desire to draw people to you through Jesus would become a reality. That you would bear fruit so that our praying is not just words because we feel obligated to pray or are told to pray. But it's because we have entered into relationship with you. A relationship that we experience in ways that bring us comfort, that admonish us when we need to be corrected, but also bring a sense of your presence and your love that envelops our lives. May we embrace, be deeply rooted in that love. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.